Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Ripple and Tut podcast. This is Kyle McCroskey, along with co-host John Grant. John, go ahead, say hello. Hi, listeners. Great to hear you again. And welcome. So, Ripple and Tut podcast, what is it? Real quick, we are a nonprofit organization that hosts events to make us better people, teammates, and leaders. We do this through our events, through experiential learning, cohorts, and hands-on practice of what we talk about. And one of the things we're going to talk about today is risk. Uh, our topic is very timely, as usual. Uh, with us today is our guest, Val Williams. Val has been with Ripple Intent for many, many years, has been on this journey with us uh, in the Colorado area for a long, long time. Val, go ahead and say hello. Introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Val Williams. Uh, I've been an architect uh, for almost 25 years now and was really glad to meet up with John and Kyle to learn about better ways to do my job and better ways to actually just interact in the world. So thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time and, and volunteering with Ripple Intent. You facilitated a couple of these conversations around risk in a couple of different areas. And um, your own story is fascinating. You have done quite a bit in the time that I've known you. And um, it's it's been a pleasure getting to know you. And just what you bring to our organization is uh, unique and your perspective is is amazing. So I'm really glad you're here to have this conversation with us today. Um, when we, well, well, let's dive right in. Let's dive into this topic of risk. Oh, sorry, John. I didn't let you really introduce yourself besides saying hello. Do you want to say anything else before we get into our topic? <laughs> oh, you, you cracked me up, Kyle. Uh, we're the only really thing to share with this, right? As, as we're working through um, the, all these various episodes on our podcast, this is, we have these fascinating conversations, right? In my heart, it's really about how do we help people learn how to be better, better people at work, right? How do we become our best selves? It's fascinating to me. It's something I've been studying for a long time. And it's one of the things I love about Ripple Intent because we get to not only learn, but we practice. That's the biggest thing. How do you put it into practice? And Val has been amazing with that. And, and you've actually taught me a lot about how I can be a better person, Val. So I love that. Thank you. That's mildly terrifying. Um, I always felt like this was a risk just having me on this, this uh, conversation. So uh being unpredictable, but that's that's how it goes. I mean, that's kind of the world. We 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 know you know what you know, and then you don't know what you don't know sometimes. And there's where the risk lies. So, yeah, it's it's definitely definitely been an interesting path through both personal and professional life dealing with risk. How do you handle it? How do you how do you even, do you even see it coming? I guess is even even part of the part of the concern. Yeah, and what's been common for our podcast is it takes a, a, a some element of a very complicated topic. In this case, it's risk. Um, and just like you were using it there, Val, in, in your description, there's a lot of different definitions, a lot of different applications, a lot of different practices in the term. Even though it's only four letters, it's a very big, deep, and, and complex issue. And so we wanted to break it down today and, and look at it from a couple different angles. One of them was if we just look at groups of people at work and projects, whether they're external projects, internal projects, um, short-term projects, whatever they are, uh, how have you seen teams and groups of people approach risk? 
you know, it's it's funny. Sometimes it's it's it reminds me a lot of of something that like since we talk about like toxic positivity, where we're trying so hard to be optimistic about something that we are willfully not paying attention to certain problems or or a potential uh, problem. And sometimes that happens because the people in the room who are assessing the risk have a lot of experience um, with the, with the, the situation, whatever it is, it's maybe pursuing a project or uh, trying to construct in, in difficult situations, just, you know, specifically with my, my daily life and role. Um, and then you know, personally, it's like, well, what if we move? What if we do this? What if we move across the country? Um, you know, before we turned on the, the, the uh, recording here, we were talking about 23 years ago, I moved across the country um, to, to live in Denver. And I don't know if I would make that kind of move again now at, at this point, my life has changed. My assessment of risk has changed where I, the eggs, the baskets that my eggs are in are, are, have dif- are different. And so even now when I have um, any kind of project team, I've found a very different view between the people in charge and the people doing the work because they both have different flavors of what the problem could be. Um, people who are involved in the production of, of, of drawings or in the production of building something have a very different sense for what's going on than the people who are sort of looking at the 30,000 foot view. And that's where I sometimes see the tension come in and it's either some people get ignored and maybe it's okay. And then it's like, well, fine. See, you don't know enough about this, about this job and this, this profession to assess risk, but it's like, sometimes the, the rookies are right. I mean, for lack of a better phrase, the rookies are right. Sometimes the rookies are right in terms of, hey, let's do take a chance in this interview to, to win this big project, to say something very daring, to come in with no PowerPoint presentation for this huge interview or whatever else, the huge risks. So I've seen, for me, I've seen an interesting, there's, there's already debate between the people at different skill levels, but then what happens when the tension happens between the skill levels? So everyone with lots of experience, you know, agrees that this is what we should do, this is what we should not do. Are we ignoring a potentially really good risk? And then the conversation is, well, how do you even tell somebody that that is not a risk worth taking? Is that just because you've had bad experience with it or just because you think you know better or do you actually know better? But it's always been a weird thing for me as I'm, as I'm, maturing into my profession, I have to remind myself sometimes of that, you know, Zen mind, beginner mind uh, kind of thing. It's, it's, I just really see a lot of, of, in, of interesting uh, dynamics, I'll put it that way, between different levels of experience when trying to assess a project or assess something and its level of risk. Does that kind of make sense? It totally does, right? I mean, you, because, right, experience gives you a different lens on it. Um, but in some ways, some, sometimes that experience can kind of tamper down your interest in being a little riskier, right? We become, we may become a little more risk averse. Uh, the, the other thing I find interesting is, you know, it comes back also to sort of personality, right? So like your strengths align all a little bit differently. They impact you in a different way, depending on what your natural innate strengths really are. Right. So I have participated in a group conversation on this and had one individual who who kind of set back from the group a little bit and was was having difficulty engaging. And we were talking through all sorts of, you know, like you mentioned, a, a big move 
could be risky or how do we define a go no go process right how how do we use risk risk logs risk analyses to make decisions about how to move forward on anything and uh the everyone's comes in with a slightly different risk tolerance and so you know this group was like hey we we they started getting all kind of worked up about all these potential risks that could show up and so we had one individual who sat back a little bit and was like guys i'm not really following you i'm not understanding why you feel those are risky so as we talked through it found out deliberative is his strongest strength and he actually what he tends to do is just to process all these scenarios he does it internally he doesn't naturally he doesn't actively have to think about it he's doing it naturally he's processing through them and then decides the level of risk and so therefore he he appears to have a very high risk tolerance and so oh, wow. part of that conversation resulted in so whose risk tolerance should we use in a group setting to determine what is risk or not? Do we have to go with the lowest common denominator, right? What does that look like? It becomes a really fascinating group dynamic. That's a really good point because I, I know that my risk, my risk tolerance has changed work-wise and project-wise. I've gotten a little more careful and I'm sometimes even a little, I don't know if, I, I'm a little surprised at myself because there are times where I'm like 10 years ago, I would have approached this project interview or this RFP response differently than I'm doing it now. And then there are times where I'm like, wow, I, I really did take some risk and take some chances back in the day. Um, and then to some extent, there's a conversation. So now as, as I'm here with all my experience, I do think to myself, you know, Val, 10 years ago, you would have done that differently or you know, early in your career, you would have done that differently. And so part of it, I do wonder to myself, how much of it is I know too much. It's almost like I don't want to, I don't want to listen to or watch anybody else's performance of Hamlet so that I don't go in when I perform Hamlet and, and do it the way they did. You know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting that I see that professionally, personally, at the same time, part of it for me, risk is, can I tolerate risk because I have survived it? for lack of a better phrase can i tolerate this because i have survived it it's the conversation of um you know a bird will land on a branch that looks very fragile and the prop it's not that the bird trusts the branch the bird trusts its wings to get it off the branch if things go bad and that's part of how i even look at, at myself and my the risks i take sometimes is can i get myself out of this or ah i've lived through worse you know what i mean it, which is a weird resigned way to live but it's like, eh, you can't hurt me worse than I've already hurt myself. You know what I mean? It's like, I, it's just how, how it happens. So I will say that, that there are times where my, my risk, my, my, my ability to tolerate risk depends on whether it's professional or personal. And also just sometimes my own, it maybe just comes out of trust. And I guess maybe I want to throw that out there. How much of risk is about trust? Do you, I'm willing to take this risk because I trust that someone has my back if I make a mistake, or I'm willing to take this risk because I trust that nothing terrible will happen. You know, like nothing will blow up physically. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a conversation that in some of the, the groups that I, that I facilitated this in trust comes out almost immediately as part of the conversation around risk, you know, 
I mean, what's what do you, what's your experience with that? I mean, that's kind of where I'm at at this point. Well, you know, it's it, in the in the project world or in the work world when you talk about should we take this risk? Um, I think if you take it one step back, it is what what risks could happen. And you've got some people like John's example, where if we're just thoughtful, none of the risks will come to fruition. Then you've got other people who are saying, yes, we're in Colorado, but there's still a risk of a tsunami. So we need to plan for that. And the reality amazing. <laughs> it is. And when you watch group dynamics, this, this is where it becomes really fascinating. If you get a whole bunch of people together who agree that no matter how far fetched the risk is, we need to capture it on the risk or the list of potential risks. Now I've seen, I've seen lists of potential risks for anything at work that can exceed hundreds. And then I see others where it's, yeah, there's like three or four. Yeah. And so what you are perceiving as potential risk is the first step. And then the second part is what you're saying is to what extent are you comfortable moving forward with the possibility of that risk existing, or if it comes true, Will this group be able to mitigate it or navigate it? Is the, is the people that I'm surrounded by, am I comfortable and are they comfortable with me that together we'll, we'll overcome whatever that risk turns into? And then, of course, if I go to a third scenario, there's, there's people who are like, yeah, I've been around long enough. If it does screw up, I don't really care. We'll move on. <laughs> exactly. I'll be, we'll be fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what I've noticed. It's funny. What I've noticed sometimes is, and I, I get this sometimes when I'm working with, um, with clients that they begin, they begin trying to plan for the next horrible thing or a big horrible thing. And what it, the short version of all that is a, a facility ends up planning you know, for a planning for planning for something that has like a five percent chance of happening, but now we've like almost doubled the cost of their project because we're trying to capture every single risk of every kind. And at some point, there's only so many things you can do. It's at some point you can, you know, the armor you wear protects you, but it also weighs you down, and you can't move as fast and as far. So at some point, it's it's yeah, the conversation of how many how many risks do we have that we can we can capture and deal with. Um, and well, someone once said, I wanna make sure that my, well, like, you know, uh, I wanna make sure that my building can withstand a, a, a hit from an F5 tornado. It's like, okay, fine. What do you give up in order to get that safety? Now I suddenly have a lack of flexibility or whatever in my building because the structure and the exterior is so beefy. I mean, it's, it, it is definitely um, a conversation of where do you, I mean, I, I kind of go back a little bit to the whose level of risk do we trust as our baseline for for where how how risky is something? Um, but then it's also I then continue to come back to trust where it's you know can we get out of this? The person who says you know if something happens we're, it'll be fine it'll be fine we'll figure it out. That is a person who has a great deal. I mean, do they are they ignoring risk or do they just have a high level of trust in everyone to do their job? Because um, even myself, early in my career, I had bosses that would say, hey, go do this. And I'm like, this is a terrible idea to have me do this. I'm not ready or I don't think I can handle it or whatever. And they were like, I trust you. I bet you can do it. And and now I look back on those moments and realize that my my project managers and, and supervisors were 
trusting me to take the risk. They trusted me to walk into that setting alone with the owner or the contractor or whoever and and do the thing that I felt was risky. Um, and that was a certain amount of trust involved in order to let me do that. And there are other people that I know that I worked with that would not get the same opportunities um, because we're not, they didn't know if they trusted them to handle the situation. And then sometimes it's, I know how to handle this situation. Can you please trust me? Why aren't you trusting me to do this? So to me, trust and risk kind of have to go hand in hand. It's, it's, it's I, trust, I trust that we can fix this if it happens. And that's the sound of someone who goes, you know what, don't worry about it. You're trying to plan for every, you're trying to plan for the tsunami in Colorado at this point. So that's, that's kind of where I end up living a lot of times is how much do I trust the people around me, the team I'm on to handle this? Because then you go back to the conversation about, you know, someone in the room goes, oh, this is not that big a deal, or maybe it is a big deal. Then in my head, I go, okay, if this gets bad, if this goes south, do I trust that you will remember this conversation in a year and that you will remember that you said, oh, if something happens, we'll figure it out, we'll fix it. Is in a year, does that, does that abnegation of risk suddenly become um, finger pointing? And I think well, that's where I end up going. <laughs> yeah, I know, no. I, I remember know. I used that's to... Happens. I used to work with somebody who kept uh, always used the phrase "hedge my bets." We got to hedge our bets. And when you're yeah. describing your scenario there, Val, my my first thought was, your leaders were thinking she's expendable. This is a big gamble. If she screws yeah. it up, we could just blame her. If it yeah. goes well, sweet, we look like rock stars because we believed in the employee. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, and that's that's where I end up going. I'm like. Do I want to take the risk? And, and that's even now as, as running project teams, how much do I, how much room do I give my team? Because my goal is also to make sure that my team makes better mistakes, that you make really good mistakes, advanced mistakes. And so that's the kind of risk I want to see somebody take. Um, I've had conversations with um, some of my team where I finally was just like, okay, you know what? Fine. Do this your way. Let's see what happens because I know that the stakes are low enough that if something does go sideways, it's not that bad. And I know that from my own experience, but I also, at some point, you, you kind of have to let people, I don't know if you want to let people put their hand on the stove, but you kind of at least got to let them get near it. And of course that depends on someone's skill level and age and everything else. I mean, obviously I wouldn't, I mean, the joke we always tell is like, would you let your kid run in traffic so he can learn a lesson? Like, I don't think playing in traffic is a teachable moment, you know? I don't know if that's the joke we always tell, but okay. <laughs> I like the, it Around serves the purpose today. That keeps coming up is <laughs> you can't risk, you can't allow your child to play in traffic. That's a risk you cannot afford to take. And is there an equivalent of that in our project lives and in our, you know, not even our adult lives, we have our project lives. It's there are moments where I've had to sort of let people do it their way. And because and at some point I'm like, none of my experience is going to mean as much to you as learning, you know, good judgment, you know, good judgment comes from experience and experience comes from bad judgment. And that's kind of how you, sometimes it's just only one way to learn is to get your hand burned. I mean, how, how far do you go with that with your teams? Yeah. It depends on a, a number of factors. There's uh you know, the, the size of the project and the size of the company that you're working in certainly make a, a play on how risky you're willing to be. 
Uh, the easy analogy, of course, a startup organization with a handful of people, you can take all kinds of risks because you, the, what you have to lose is minor mm -hmm. and you can recover quickly. Uh, I, I remember my, my parents during the recession back in 2007, 2008, they were, my, my dad used the phrase, I need to protect your mom and I, you have a lot longer to recover financially. Uh -huh. And so his risk perception was certainly different. Um, and I was also projecting it onto me and, and my siblings saying that because of your age, financially, you're in a better position, which is fascinating. Because um, that ties back to what you were saying earlier, where, you know, would you move across the country 20 plus years later? Probably not. Well, you have a different, there's a different situation. So as a company or an organization or a project grows, then the, the, I think the impact of the risk and the tolerance of risk, unfortunately, move in the same level. They don't necessarily diverge. So it's a bigger organization. The bigger an organization is, the less risk tolerant they are. And that permeates into every action and decision of most of teams and employees and groups within that organization. Even when there's an opportunity to take a risk, which may or may not be minor or major, what I have it, but the environment pushes you down in regards to, no, you have to think it through, talk it through, make sure this risk goes away, avoid it or spread it or reduce it the best you can before we take action. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it's, I, I see it as when I'm taking risks, how, yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's like, it says when we do risk logs, for example, the conversation is how likely do we think it is that this is going to happen? And, and the thing that we, we don't necessarily talk about, and one of our groups did, someone did mention this in one of uh, the groups I facilitated. Um, they said, you know, we put our people in harm's way. We take risks with our people all the time. You know, um, if you fly to another city to facilitate a ripple intent breakfast club, group, you take the risk being on the road, being in a plane, being in public, of being in a car wreck, in a plane wreck, which we know is also extremely rare, but still, that's a thing. Um, there's so many things that can happen when we do construction. Every time you send people to work, they're on a job site with big, heavy things and, and welding and things like that, and, and lots of dangerous situations around. We take risks every day, and in a way, for us, to, for anyone to say, oh, I'm, I'm very risk averse. I'm like, did you get out of bed and leave the house this morning? Okay, you took a risk. So you may take, in a way, if we if we pay attention to every single risk that is possible, actually probable, but possible, uh, you would go mad and you could never leave the house. And then that happens to some folks. But, but ultimately, there is a certain amount of taking for granted that we can trust our own feet and our own whatever to get us through. So how, I mean, when, when you're, when you're coaching people, even, even now, when you're coaching people, what, how do you go about it? Like for me, I can say, here's what I've done this wrong in the past. Here's how I've experienced this. If I were going to do it, here's how I would do it. You know, what would you like any more help from me on how to approach this or how to deal with this? But that's kind of where I end up having to, to sort of go into the conversation um, is, is, trying not to offer too much advice, but trying to at least give a little bit of context of, here's what could happen if this goes wrong. Here's what could happen if this goes right. And that's the other big thing. Here's what happens if this goes right. Do we really ever talk about 
what happens if it goes well? What if it goes well? You know, what if you don't fail on this risk? Because so much of risk seems to be ne around negativity. It's around danger. It's like, you know, like I like I've proposed um, presentations to um, to conferences, and then they got accepted. I was like, oh crap! Now I have to actually do this. It's like, oh, I was not ready for the risk of actually succeeding at this. And there is a, a little bit of a moment of panic there, where I like suddenly have to, like, oh no, my dreams came true. Oh, you know. So, like, do you guys ever have positive risk? Well, by it's definition, like it doesn't exist. Yeah. I mean, the, the actual definition is. Um, uh, something exposure, some sort of exposure to danger. Mm -hmm. that, that is really the tried and true definition of risk. Right. It's the joy of running in traffic. <laughs> it's cardio, <laughs> baby. <laughs> you got to get your steps in somewhere. Exactly. You know, you got it. However you need the motivation, go for it. Right. I mean, it's, it is funny also how many people in, in our rooms, in our breakout rooms, when we were talking about this, would say, like one of the things we asked at the very beginning of, of the, the get together was, tell me the scariest thing you've ever done for fun. And there's a lot of bungee jumping involved. I don't know what's going on with our profession. There's a lot of bungee jumping and skydiving and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, that makes me sound, sounds so cheesy, but a lot of people ended up beginning their story with, well, I'm really not that risky or I'm really kind of risk averse. Da, 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 da. And then they would tell a story of hitchhiking through Morocco and getting robbed by the actual like soldiers in the army kind of thing. Like these insane stories of just like, wow, that, that makes me sound, it's like, dude, you got to try again. If you're going to just bungee jump, she's hitchhiking in Morocco. You know what I mean? Like, it was interesting to hear these stories of, of the risk. And interestingly, many people said, I would never do it again, but I'm glad I did it at least the once. Um, and that's, it is funny to hear how many people say, I'm very risk averse. And let me tell you this insane thing I did. I'm like, it, there's, there's, it's like, okay, there's two sides of that personality there a little bit, or at least there's something, there's something in there um, that makes people willing to to take risks i'm very similar i'm very risk averse and yet i was willing to move across the country i'm very risk averse and yet i was willing to work in construction rather than architecture for a few years i in a weird way there are moments where you almost go against like i wonder about that guy in your group uh john who it seemed like nothing faced him or his his risks weren't that big like what would it take for him to suddenly go ouch you know or what because what would it take any of us to suddenly go, you know what, I think I will bungee jump. I think I will drink cough syrup and, and use heavy machinery or whatever. It's how do you, you know, getting getting through that. I mean, how do you how do you define that even for yourself and your and your family? Because you guys have kids. I don't. I just have cats. It's fine. There's not a risk there. <laughs> See, I find that risky. <laughs> Many cats. But right, so it's it, a lot of this, what I'm hearing, right? So kind of back, it's all situational, right? Yeah. So personal versus professional, right? In the workplace, what is what are you losing, right? What's the potential for just you, not a project, not a group, not a, you know, not a team, it's just you, right? So what do you see as being challenging for some people, right? Losing their job, right? some people were like, oh, oh, I can't risk that. And others are like, yeah, I don't care, right? 
uh, is it financial, right? Obviously losing your job, losing salary, but you know, is there, how does that come into play with things? Um, is it just embarrassment? Cause I got to tell you, for some people, the embarrassment is too much. They cannot handle it. Uh, so what does that really look like to them? Um, so I, that's the, I think that's the personal calculus, right? Even just at a base level, what do I have to lose? Um, you know, and then that same thing still applies in the personal realm, but it does take on a different lens. So, you know, yes, I have kids, but my kids are grown now. So I don't have that same dynamic of I am financially responsible for them. So I can take more risks in that regard. And I don't, I just don't have to have that as one of the demanding criteria of me. Um, but, you know, it, looking at that lens, what I, one of the things I find really interesting is even within your organization, how much risk are you willing to tolerate, right? So again, what do you personally have to lose? Because um, the misalignment of, of risk tolerance is really fascinating to me. It creates, potentially creates a ton of conflict right? If you want to extend yourself a little farther out, therefore extending your team, extending the organization a little farther out, um, because you feel very like you have a group you're working with, an external group, lots of trust, right? You can deal with a lot of things going on. But organizationally, that may be a hard no, you know, based right. on someone else's perception, so that misalignment component, like this is where I think these things become really important. The more we communicate with each other about the context behind the risk perception, that's the magic right there. This is really where we start to break things apart to get a better sense as to who's showing up for what and why. Exactly. I worked in a very, very conservative organization, traditional organization for a while and um, went to a, I was, I was a new leader and I went to a leadership meeting and afterwards my boss, a uh, very, very wise um, vice president, he told me, he says, uh, you know, when you said that thing, do you understand how, how risky it was that you said that? And I looked at him and of course I was young and dumb, like, no. That was just what it was. Why wouldn't you say that? And he looked at me and he was thoughtful for a few seconds. I remember he was silent and I was like, wow, you're totally judging me. Now I'm really uncomfortable. And he said, one day you'll appreciate how risky what you said truly was. And that was uh, insightful. It, it caught my attention because I couldn't quite understand why in the world what I said was risky, but his observation, not so much that it was, but in the context of the conversation, how risky it was in the people and so forth, it, it was very situational, but it caused me to now realize perhaps my style needed to flex. We were talking earlier values and, and, and got me thinking about right now, it feels like we see a lot of encouragement for authenticity and just be yourself at work. And if I was just myself without any type of retrospection or self-development or learning, then being myself would be a critical jerk, quite frankly. 
Yeah, that that is not (laughs) is not where I think we're we're encouraging folks to go. I think we're we're encouraging that for those there's varying perspectives on risk and understanding where people are coming from and understanding the environment that you're in both is very important when it comes to then judging whether or not a risk is a high risk, low risk, or even should be considered. Hey, so I want to, I want to wrap us up. We are, we are at time. Uh, one final thought for our listeners before we, we call it a day. Uh, Val, I'll start with you. I would say um, sometimes the risk you're taking also depends on, you know, where you stand depends on where you sit. Um, depending on where you are in a project, in a family, in an organization, you are willing to take certain risks because you know what your role will be on a project or a team or a family or organization. And so I think that's part of where the stresses come from is understanding when someone is willing to or not willing to take a risk, why are they willing to do that? What does it mean for them in their day-to-day lives as the family member, the comptroller, the project manager, whatever? That to me, as we've been talking, is is something that gives me food for thought, is finding out the why behind how people perceive risks and what it means for them in their day-to-day life. That may tell you, that tells me a lot about why they're willing to take a risk or not. Is it because you're going to be doing the day-to-day work on this project or because you're the one who has to carry the reputation of your organization based on something someone does? So that's that's now my that's what's on my mind now for the rest of the day. Well said. John, how about you? Well, one of the things we, we didn't quite get to was when you're responsible for other people, right? So from the leader's standpoint, what kind of environment are you creating? And how, again, the communication piece is so important here. You know, we often default to ourselves internally. It's just me. We don't necessarily think about the other people. I think about how your risk is going to impact me. And so that element is, again, right? So how, as a leader, can I create that space for other people? Um, And how do I make sure I'm communicating what I feel is a risk or not? What do those things look like, right? So being open and transparent. Right yeah, I'd say, I'd say there's, um, you're, you're right there with the other people. I think that's a, another podcast for another day. It's um, everything we've been talking about has been very self and individual focused. And, and I would echo your, your thought there as we head out around how much are you aware of how you're projecting your belief system when it comes to risks and risk tolerance onto those around you. And I'm not just saying those that work for you or are on your team, but of course, above you as well. And so give some thought to your intentionality in regards to how much your personal approach to risk is impacting the people around you. Well, with that, I want to go ahead and close this out. Thank you, Val, for joining us. Appreciate your thoughts and insights and energy as always. Really appreciate you being here. Thank and, you, Ralph. Uh, the risk was worth it. <laughs> it certainly was worth it. I will say that. 
uh, follow us uh, uh, with as our podcast continue. Check us out on LinkedIn. Uh, go to our website, ripplandtent.org to see if there's a event heading your way sometime soon. We are ever expanding and all over the place. So check us out. And until next time, hope you are thoughtful and considerate and intentional about how you are approaching risk. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll see you down the road.